This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Welcome to the Arrowhead Podcast with Sterling Holmes and Matt Connor. No, Matt Connor. He's out. Dude is living up in the Bahamas, the beach, somewhere. I'm not mad at Matt. I'm just very disappointed he didn't bring me. Sure, I get it. He brought his wife or maybe his kids. He's out there with family. But but not his podcast co-host? Matt, when you listen to this, just know, again, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So it's just going to be me, Sterling Holmes. Uh, You can follow me on Twitter at HomestretchKC. We're going to have a shortened, abbreviated version of this podcast today. Uh, Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam, they'll be coming at you guys later this week. We've been down on the Chiefs. And and trust me, I'm going to bring some more sadness and, and stats and frankly depressing numbers to what I think is going wrong with Kansas City especially on the defensive side of the ball I do want to finish up though this podcast with some some hope some reason for why we should not panic for why we should trust Kansas City why we should trust Brett Veach Andy Reid while it looks bad now trust me when I say not all hope is lost Before I get into all of that, I do want to say go to manscaped.com at checkout, promo code FANSIDED20. We'll get you 20% off, uh, free shipping. Man, the Lawnmower 4.0, it's awesome. Straight up. I'm telling you guys right now, it is awesome. I'm telling you, your girl does not like Bush. The only Bush she likes is the band, okay? Bush is a pretty good band, but they don't want your Bush. Go Manscaped.com, promo code FANSIDED20 at checkout, 20% off and free shipping, the Lawnmower 4.0. All right. Let's start with the defense. I was at the Bills Chiefs game, I was there. Dan Sorensen getting burnt somehow is worse in person than it is on TV. When you're watching it live, when you're watching the breakdowns, and you're there, you go, oh my gosh, what are you doing? How is this man so wide open? Now, I want to throw in the caveat. I've been on record saying this, and I'll I'll still say it again. Dan Sorensen, while he is to blame, he's not completely to blame. He wasn't the only guy out there getting just toasted. He wasn't the only guy who looked like he was left in a toaster for four plus hours burnt toast at some point spags has to have some sort of accountability we got to say hey man dan Sorensen is not a hundred percent snap kind of guy dan Sorensen, fine backup dan Sorensen, fine in situational plays not a hundred percent snap kind of guy so as much as we can blame dan Sorensen, at times we got to say you know what What's Spags doing? Why Why is this defense so reliant on a guy who is clearly over the hill? Why are they so reliant on putting him out there, trotting him out there for 100% of snaps? It's asinine. One Thornhill, way more athletic. One Thornhill, for some reason, couldn't get playing time, according to Spags, according to this Chiefs team, because they were worried he'd be out of position. If Dan Sorensen, if that's considered him in position getting burnt by not being within 20 yards of a guy, 
I think one Thornhill can do that. So I don't think one Thornhill is going to be a complete and utter fix, right? You're not just going to all of a sudden say, all right, Dan Sorensen, you're, you're out. You're going to play 20, 30 percent of snaps and, and Thornhill, you're in. That's not going to be the, the 100% fix. His defense is not going to all of a sudden go from giving up 29 points in every single game they faced, including a 38 spot to the Bills on Sunday, and they're not all of a sudden going to be the 2000s Ravens. Just going from Dan to Juan Thornhill, they're not even going to become a middling of the pack, right? They're not even going to be top, top 15. It's going to take a lot more than that. And where I think it starts is with scheme, all right? And what I'm saying is, Steve Spagnola, what does he do best? What was he? What was his calling card when he came to Kansas City? Bringing the blitz. Bringing pressure from spots that other teams wouldn't expect. Where's that been? All we've heard from Spags, especially recently, has been, well, the offense hasn't allowed us to do what we want to do. The offense is dictating, and so we can't dial anything up. Which, by the way, defensive coordinators love saying, dial something up. That's their, that's their way of saying everything and saying nothing at once. But if you're going to get beat either way, why not bring pressure? Why not try and, and do something different? If you're going to give up a touchdown on seven plays, what's the difference if you give up, give up a touchdown on two plays or maybe force a sack? Force a fumble, get an interception, do something. The creativity that Spags had his first couple seasons here, what brought him basically the job because of what he did with the Giants, the creativity, where is it? I, I, I'm, I'm lost trying to find it, and it's honestly, it's, it's depressing when you, you know time and time again teams are just picking apart this defense, and you know what they're going to do, and there's been nothing, no changes. Frank Clark was back. Frank Clark may have had his best game this season. That's not saying much. Frank Clark, I don't know if this entire Chiefs defense, the combination of Alex Okafor, Frank Clark, Dan Sorensen, if Hitchens to an extent, if they all became over the hill this is one season, but the culmination of age, of, of lack of speed, is beyond noticeable when the when this group plays. I, I'm banging the drum. It's time for the young guys. Nick Bolton, while he did struggle in pass coverage, I'm not going to hold the young guys unaccountable. He was flying around. Nick Bolton was out there getting downhill quick. He may have had the only, I don't know if it was tackle for a loss or sack. I, so I was at the game, and it was tough to tell when he had the hit on Josh Allen. I don't know if they in the books. I know when I first checked the box score, they didn't have it as a sack. They probably counted it as a Josh Allen run for negative yards. But Nick Bolton was one of the few guys who actually got pressure on Josh. But he's not he's not inevitable, right? He needs to get better in pass coverage. It's going to take time. He's asked to do a lot right now, which again also falls on Spags. Willie Gay Jr. first game back. Willie Gay Jr. looked pretty good. He was noticeably the quickest linebacker. He was out there trying to make plays. Near the end of the game, the Bills started running away from Willie Gay Jr., right? They tried early on to go towards his side. Willie Gay Jr. was making plays. They go, you know what? Screw it. We have no chance. Let's run away from the only guy that seemingly is getting downhill outside Nick Bolton and making plays. Good for Willie Gay Jr. first game back. Fenton. 
Rashad had a very good game, but what overshadowed his very good game was the almost boneheaded penalty. And I get it. You can say, well, it wasn't a penalty, Sterling, so he got away with one. Sure, he got away with one. But when you're down 18 at home, the momentum is starting to shift a little bit, and you get up in the receiver's face. By the way, Josh Allen overthrew the receiver. It wasn't like Rashad Fenton got in there, diving, knocked down, a play, knocking out of the receiver's hands. It's kind of an overthrow. I was disappointed in Rashad Fenton because this unit, this defense, has been historically bad all season. You're down 18 at home, tide is starting to shift, and you get in that receiver's face. If you draw a penalty, that kills it. I get it, he didn't. I get it, it's a emotional game, but at some point you want to see some smarts, you want to see some... You want to see something that, you know what, you're not going to do that, okay? Like, sure, if you're winning, if you're up if you're up 18 at home, you just made a huge play, game's basically in hand, and you do a little bit of a celebration, okay, I get it, I understand, yeah, you're, you're stoked. That, to me, though, was almost costly, and it's something that I think Rashad fit, and I think Spag, I think his entire team is going to obviously take a look at, and they're going to say, hey, man, Rashad, you can't do that. But I do want to say his play was good. He played well, got burnt once or twice. Stephon Diggs is going to do that. I thought Fenton, to be honest, was a slot corner at best. I go, Rashad Fenton, he's going to be a slot corner. That's where he fits. He's not super fast. He's pretty strong, but not super fast. I don't know if he can keep up. Prove me wrong. Made a couple of very nice plays in that Bills game. I think he is someone to look at and say, hey, this secondary group, if you if you look at Fenton and Legereus Sneed, Javarius Ward, they're very young. Mike Hughes. They're young. DeAndre Baker. There's room to grow here. So if you want some positive takeaways, this secondary has a lot of talent, a lot of growth still left to be uh, there. It's, it's untapped growth, untapped potential still left in this group. Uh, Legereus Sneed, I want to touch on him very quickly. I think he's having a sophomore slump. That's the best way to put it. I think Legereus Sneed is too talented, too good. I don't think this is who he is. He was miserable against the Bills. Horrible. And I like Legereus. I, I think it was a bad game. I think he may be having that stereotypical sophomore slump. I was hoping he would take the next step, overcome it, but so far, nada. It's been there. It's happened. I'm not worried, but if you, again, you want to point to a spot that say, hey, maybe there's room for improvement on this defense without going out and getting someone, Legereus Sneed, there you go. He's not playing how he was last year. So there was my quick little rundown on the defense, all right? You'll get more from Patrick Allen. You'll get more from Matt Verderham later on this week. Again, I don't want to be sitting here being all negative Nancy, sad Sterling. We're not going to do that, okay? I do want to talk about the offense really quickly. This, again, might be a little bit on the sad side, but, again, we're going to go through it quickly. Sometimes you just got to vent, okay? You got to let it out. Sometimes keeping it bottled up, it hurts. The Chiefs are 2-3 and three after making it to back-to-back Super Bowls. You gotta vent. Let me do it. It's therapeutic. The turnovers. If you want to point to one thing on why they're 2-3, and three, turnovers. I believe, and don't, don't completely quote me on this, I, I thought I read somewhere, I haven't pulled up in front of me, of the last 11 turnovers in Chiefs games, 
all were Kansas City. They're not forcing turnovers, and all they're doing is giving the other team extra possessions. 11 times. Zero for KC. And I get it. It's not all on Mahomes. I think Mahomes is pressing. I think Mahomes is saying, I have to score a touchdown every single drive or else we're not going to win the games. I, I, I do believe that's a legit possibility of why he's forcing more throws. The one that Tyreek Hill hit off his shoulder pad. He's got to catch that. Tyreek has got to catch that ball. That's not on Patrick. Second one, though. Throws it right at the D end. Great play by the D end, but Patrick has to do something there. You, gotta be, you can't throw it right at the dude's mitt. So, Patrick, there's room for improvement here. He's had a good season. Let me give you some numbers really quickly on why I think things are going to start turning around for this offense. Things that aren't going to be, oh, we need to bring this, that, and the other in. Reasons why I think Patrick Mahomes in this offense is going to be okay. Patrick Mahomes threw five games. This is per per Jeff Kerr uh, from CBS. 2020, Patrick completed 63.73% of his passes, 1,474 yards, 13 touchdowns, one interception for a 107.3 passer rating through five games. This year, he's completed 69.23% of passes, 1,490 yards, so very similar yardage, 16 touchdowns, three more, but again, the six interceptions, five more than last year, and the passer range, 106.1. Three of those interceptions Patrick has thrown this year from tip passes. So if you want to take a optimistic look on this Patrick's been about the same he's been more unlucky and that's been the difference offensively he's still been his typical useful um uh, way, way more than useful his typical aggressive best quarterback in the NFL self he's gotten unlucky so if you want to take the glass half full approach I think that's the exact place you you, you turn to I do want to talk about the Chiefs-Bills offensive game plan very quickly. Did Andy Reid think Alex Smith was still the quarterback? Because that's kind of what it looked like. I haven't heard many people talk about this in the media yet. But why all the checkdowns? Where was the middle of the field? I get it. They were taking away Tyreek deep. I, I, I'm glad he wasn't trying to throw the ball deep, try to put the ball in harm's way I understand that aspect but middle of the field Josh Gordon his one catch was a phenomenal middle of the field catch great play I would like to see more Josh Gordon I think we will see more Josh Gordon but where was the middle of the field they kept throwing these short passes to McCall they kept trying to check down and it was again almost like Andy forgot that Patrick was on this team and it wasn't Alex Smith it was a Weird game plan start to finish. One, I think, again, it's an outlier, but how many times, how many excuses are we going to make for Kansas City? They sit at two and three. They've played four great teams, four playoff teams, and one horrible team in the Eagles. They did what they were supposed to do, smash the Eagles 40 to 30, what was it, 42 30. Still give up 30 points, but offense, they were humming, scored what, six or seven real possessions in that game. I get it. But the playoff teams, the teams that are, what, um, one in three against? Those are teams you face later on in the season. Those are teams you need to beat. And I don't think all hope is lost. If I had to say my concern level, I'm throwing it at a six. 
The reason why my concern level is at a 6. And not a 10. I'm not panicking. It, season's not over. It'd be at a 10 if they were 0-5, right? They're 2-3 against, against some good teams. The hardest part of their schedule is over. They have some reprieve coming up the next few games. But the reason why it's not even lower than that is because the Chargers. I think the Chargers, if you want to go through with me really quickly and look at, a, look at their schedule, Chargers sit 4-1. and one. Chargers sit out 4-1 and one and, according to a lot of metrics, have the fourth easiest remaining strength of schedule. Their next game is at Baltimore. Very tough. Let's just say, let's give Baltimore the win there to make this, thing, to make this easy. All right, We'll give Baltimore the win there. Then New England, then Eagles, then Minnesota. That should be three wins for the Chargers. Pittsburgh coin flip at Denver. I like the Chargers. Cincinnati's probably tougher than we thought going into this year because Cincinnati's offense has been fantastic with uh, the Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase connection. But Giants, Kansas City, Houston, Denver, Vegas. When you play Giants, Houston, Eagles still, Patriots still, when you when your toughest games remain outside of at Kansas or against Kansas City, when we're saying Cincy, when we're saying Pittsburgh, that is an extremely easy strength of schedule. My concern is they're not on enough losses on the schedule for the Chargers. My concern is. Well, I believe Kansas City is making the playoffs. No questions asked, right? No questions asked. My concern is they're not winning the AFC West. They're not getting that first round by. They have an uphill climb from here. You know how we always joked about going into this year? Well, you know, in the past they've rested their starters week 17. Game 16, week 17. Now it's... This year, we're like, oh, they're going to rest their players for two weeks? Not anymore. We can't make those jokes anymore. Patrick's going to be playing week 18, game 17 this year. It's going to be the case. So while I'm not panicking as if the Chiefs all hope is lost, I am nervous because I don't think they're going to get that first round by. I don't think they win the AFC West anymore. I, I don't think the Chiefs go undefeated from here on out, and I think the Chargers' schedule is just it's a cakewalk. So the Chiefs needed to move their focus to the playoffs. They got to move their focus to winning game by game. It's so cliche. The Chiefs love that we take it a game by game approach. And we heard Travis Kelsey early on this year kind of reiterate that when asked. Didn't know who they were playing the week after, right? They need that game by game cliche approach. That's what it's going to take to climb out of this hole to make the playoffs. And the playoffs didn't can happen. They make the playoffs. The Chiefs will beat anyone, or can beat anyone. I firmly believe that. They gotta get they gotta get the dance first, though. You can't win if you don't make it there. Little bit away from the Bills Chiefs game, I want to say something a little bit on the funnier side. Chiefs fans, we gotta stop going at Mitchell Swartz. Dude is the nicest man, and he's starting to clap back at guys on Twitter. Some dude was trying to tell him he didn't know what he was talking about on some blocking techniques. And Mitchell Schwartz was going off on Guy. Chiefs fans, stop it. 
All-Pro Mitchell Swartz. He knows what he's talking about when it comes to blocking. I know the majority of you agree with me and would never say anything like that. But the small minority of you guys who are going at Mitchell Swartz saying he doesn't know what he's talking about, it's asinine. Come on. Leave Mitch in the kitsch alone. Side note, when I was at the Bills-Chiefs game, I saw a Bills fan rocking gloves. No, not winner gloves. Receiver's gloves. I'm talking full-on jersey. I couldn't get a good look, but he might have been wearing cleats too. Receiver's gloves. If you're past the age of 12, what are you doing? My man, do you think Josh Allen's about to call you up and say, hey, we need an X receiver? You think Josh Allen's about to say, oh no, Dawson Knox, he's feeling a little tight. Hey, hey, guy in section 109, guy with the gloves, 58-year-old, you want to you come out here? You want to come catch some passes? You going to be our new red zone threat? I just find it funny. I, it doesn't really bother me that much. It's just, I don't understand it. If you're past the age of 12 and you're out there rocking cleats, receivers, gloves, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think head coach is saying, see that guy over there, section 109? If anything happens to our guys, we're going to take a look at them. I don't know. It makes me laugh. I just thought I had to go down and tell you guys that story because I thought it it made me laugh, and I wanted to make you guys at least maybe chuckle, maybe chortle, maybe crack a smile. Maybe you're telling me to shut up right now. I don't care. I thought it was funny, and I needed some laughter after the disaster that was the Bills-Chiefs game. Again, Patrick Allen, Matt Verderam coming at you later this week. Matt Connor, myself, will be back later on next week. Get excited. I, I have a lot of questions for Matt Connor. I want to know if he even watched the game. I want to know if he was just out there sipping his frozen daiquiris, having himself a time while we're out there getting poured on watching the Chiefs lose. Matt, I'm jealous, okay? That's all I'm saying. This was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. I am Sterling Holmes. If you want to, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate that. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at HomestretchKC. Before we're out of here, what's your favorite barbecue restaurant? I want to know. Mine's Gates. Always been Gates. They got the best sauce. Got the best sandwich. The burn-ins. Best sandwich in the city. Best sandwich in the world. Hands down. Pound for pound. It's a Tyson Fury of sandwiches. Gates burn-ins. What's yours? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.